Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Mi gente, this is your girl Odalis Jasmine, and y'all are listening to Hella Latino. Today I'm talking to Acapulco star Gabriela Mia. Born in New Orleans, Louisiana, Gabriela was immersed in the arts and a melting pot of culture from a very young age. Her Venezuelan mother and Honduran father, shout out, decided when she was just seven years old to make the move back to Honduras, and that's where she spent the rest of her childhood and attended high school. So she has a very interesting first gen story. She also talks a lot about this journey in the podcast from moving back to the U.S. for college, auditioning for several types of roles in L.A., deciding to take a break from acting, moving to Miami, and going on her own self-love and discovery journey. And all that led to her role in Acapulco, where she portrays one of the dopest mujerones you're going to see on TV, Isabel. And I realize I'm telling you all the cheese so I'm going to stop there. Let's get straight into this conversation. Disfruten. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I have to tell you, I rewatched Acapulco in preparation for this because, first of all, I love the show. Um, and I actually found out about the show on this podcast. So it's like a full circle moment. What? And yeah, I just had a guest who, well, I had recorded with her like a month ago, but I had her on the podcast. It featured last week. Her name is Susie Hamarillo. And she is one of the co-creators of Encantos. Do you know who it is? Yeah. I know. So I've, I've heard of her, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's incredible. And she told me on the podcast, you have to watch Acapulco. And then since then, I've been obsessed. And then for some reason, Gabriela, I felt a connection to you. I knew you were my catracha because I loved, I loved all the women on there, by the way, all bilingual Spanglish beauties. And then I saw you and I'm like, oh my God, I love that she is like this really strong character, like like that strong Latina, badass, independent woman, like all of those things. And I looked you up, of course, because that's what you do after you watch a show. Let me look up all the characters. And then I saw you were half under and I was like, wait, hold the phone. Que que? Es Lureña. And I just fell in love with you and I started following you. <laughs> I'm so unbelievably like honored and excited. And it's funny because when I saw that you said, oh, catracha, that always like when someone says catracha, first of all, I haven't heard that in like, I don't hear that ever in LA or even in the US. So, you know, when someone says catracha, that shit is right. so excited oh. to reach out. I mean, I, I didn't know you had learned about Acapulco on, on the podcast. That's so exciting. I did. I did. Yeah. A shout out to just beautiful conversations with people in the community. But that's how I found out about it, girl. It's like full circle moment. And now I have you on here. And I remember telling my parents when I saw that you were on Reña, we watched the show together. 
And they were like, oh, she looks catracha. You know, once they know you're catracha, everyone looks catracha. It's like, oh, uh-huh. like, of course. Yeah, of course. And then I saw you were from New Orleans. And I think what people don't know is that there's a big Honduran population in New Orleans, right? Huge. New Orleans is like a mini Honduras. It's funny because I am half Honduran, half Venezuelan. My mom is from Venezuela and all my family on my mom's side is Venezuelan. And all my family on my dad's side is Honduran. But I got to say, like, you you used to ask me, like, where are you from? And I would just be like, Honduras. Because I grew up in Honduras from the ages of 7 to 17. So I even, oh, like, wow. I lost my accent a lot. But I was like, like, así hablaba. And, but I was born in New Orleans. And we moved to, I, I lived in San Pedro and in Tegos and Tocigalpa. But we moved to Honduras when I was 7. So Wait, is that, where you're Orleans, is that where you're from? San Pedro? Primero vivimos en San Pedro. I did live in San Pedro for three years, like from seven to like 11. It was my golden age. I always say those were like my happiest years of childhood. Like that was Aww. like living in the jungle, like climbing trees, getting into fist fights with your neighbor. Like just like everything was amazing. And then we moved Not to the fist fights. Was, <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of, like just throwing it in there. I have a lot of misabe in me for sure. Very feisty, <laughs> very feisty girl. And I have just like the best memories of San Pedro. And then I moved to Teus, you know, I turned into a capitalina, capitalina total. And uh, and I had a great, great childhood and teenage years in, in Honduras. But of course, I was born in New Orleans and New Orleans is like a magical city. It's such a magical town. So I feel like I have a lot of good hometowns to show off because like, <laughs> yeah, it's a good yes. Let's go. Let's go into your story because you're talking about all these places. Let's go back to little Gabriela. Like, I want to know all about your story. Actually, backtrack. I start every podcast episode with one question, and that's how do you identify and why? And then we can go into your story. That's such a good question. I always identify as like, I always say like a mutt. In Honduras, we call it like aguacateras. Like, I'm such a mix. And like my nickname that I kind of baptized myself is Miss Clarita. Because I do feel super Honduran, but I also feel super Venezuelan. And I also feel like the Southern girl from Louisiana. I love that I have that mix. And I like mad risa because when I'm in Honduras, I'm like la gringa. Cuando estoy acá, I'm the, I'm the Latina. I'm like the feisty Latina. So I'm always kind of like in between worlds. So the way that I ad- identify is in that way, like I'm a little mix, which I feel like is one of the reasons why I love Acapulco, it's bilingual. And there's a whole generation of kid, like of kids that were just like, hablamos inglés, hablamos español, and we're not from, we are from here, but at the same time, we feel like we're from here, you know? So that's how I, I a little misguided. And I will, and I will tell you, like, there is something really powerful about seeing you on Acapulco because it was more than just, oh my God, it's mi catracha también. It was more of, I've never seen a Honduran woman on the screen before and being able to see you and say like, oh, she's one of the las mias. Like, it just made me feel, it just like gave me like escalofrios, like butterflies de todo because it's, it's beautiful to see this generation of bilingual Latinas, of Latinas de todas partes really owning their Latinidad on screen. Because, I mean, I hope that all the little kids watching, my nieces, my nephews, mis primitos, that they can see the show and think, oh my God, they're one of me. I'm bilingual too, or I'm Honduran too, or I'm Mexicana too. Like I want them to feel themselves on the screen. And that's what I've always wanted. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. That makes me so happy. First of all, thank you so much for saying that because that makes me so happy to 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 hear because that's part of the reason why I wanted, I've always wanted to act or just really just be on screen and entertain was because I wanted, you know, someone in those in Honduras and San Pedro in Olancho, like wherever to watch the screen and go, oh, okay, there's someone that looks like me, you know, I'm connected to someone. I really didn't have that growing up as much until like J-Lo. Like I had, you know, Salma Hayek and Penelope Cruz, like I had those, but I really had to almost like dig in to find like a, a Latina that was even Central American, let alone Honduran, you know, there just aren't a oh lot of God. us out there. Mm-mm. Yeah. And uh, then I love that you that you said about the growing up speaking English and Spanish, because I think one of the things that I'm so lucky to have had growing up was that we moved to Honduras. So I had to learn Spanish. And I wonder if I had stayed here because I know a lot of, you know, have a lot of friends who are Mexican-American or, you know, Hondurans, even my little cousins that grew up here. They're not as connected to their Spanish because there's just like a part of us that we're growing up where it's like not cool to know both or like we want to fit in more. So we just want to speak English or we're just or even like we don't see the need. So but there's so many of us who speak both. So that to me was also really important. Like, I'm so glad that the sh- both the show, but also me, I just I flow so much in between both languages. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's so natural. And to see that on screen was everything. And if anything, that can help us be more, I mean, the next generation too, be more proud of knowing two languages. Like I was forced in my family, which thank God that I was, I was forced to speak Spanish. My mom still does not, her Honduran accent is like perfect and tacto, like she's never once lost it. And we were forced in at the home, like we're speaking Espanol acá, like cuando van a la escuela, you guys can speak on the English. But even in school, we spoke Spanglish, like my best friend to this day since kindergarten. Shout out Alexis. We speak Spanglish to each other every day. And seeing that on screen was so special because it creates that pride in Latinidad and that pride in like navigating these two worlds. Like I can't speak for it enough. Everyone who's listening, please watch it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's funny that you say like, oh, I like fangirled when I watched season two. When I watched season one, because I came in on the show as a fan, like what you said, there were all these Latinas that looked all different, you know, from Nora Gallardo, you know, Vanessa, who plays Maximo's mom, to Sara Gallardo, his little sister, to, you know, Julia at the hotel, to Lupe. All, all of the women are so different and, you know, such different types of life and color so you know when I went in it was so funny because I told them all the time I was like I don't think you guys realize the effect that it has on like the viewer because you guys have been in this since season one but like this is something that we don't get to see a lot of and it's so cool to watch you know wow okay well going back to your story because now I'm like okay I have all the questions for you Going back to your story, I mean, you talked about not feeling like, I mean, you go to Honduras and you're la gringa and then you're here and it's like la Latina, the spicy Latina. How did you, like, talk about growing up, like, how did you talk about the move to Honduras, what that looked like and then moving back? Like, I can't imagine the, what that felt like for you as a kid. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I I don't know if it's like I've changed like my opinion as I've gotten older but no not even like I always was really grateful that I grew up in Honduras because I was able to be so unbelievably proud of my family I have I come from a big like I'm telling you I'm Isabel in real life like I come from a huge family super metiches 
you know, a million cousins, aunts and uncles who always have an opinion and they're great. And, and it was loving and chaotic. And it was all of the, those good things of like weeks at the beach, you know, weeks at a time. And we just go and like a bunch of kids sleeping in the same bed, you know, kind of thing. And <laughs> and I my dad was very adamant, like, Él es un hondureño morir. like you're never going to get him out of Honduras. He lives there now. He lives in San Pedro because he really was like. I want you guys to grow up knowing that you're not just a number, that you're like part of a family, that you have a last name I want. And and it made such a difference in my upbringing. Like we lived in a city, but like it was funny, like growing up, like people like my teacher had gone to school with my dad, you know, so he anything little thing I would do it was like, oh, Pedro Mia, traviesa como Pedro Mia, you know, and even though those things can be a little constricting and that's why so many of us leave, you know, especially as women, because I'm not going to lie you know, acting is really not a recognized career in Honduras, not seriously recognized, especially for women. But but I, I really got like the best of my childhood growing up over there because there's so much warmth and and everybody knows everybody and you get like the advantages of living in a small town. But once I started hitting that, because I knew I wanted to be an actress since I was so young and I knew I just wanted to be in the arts. And I, even if I hadn't been acting, like, you know, I took some time off of acting for about two years and I was I got involved in like the Miracle Project, which is an organization that teaches autistic kids and really people of all ages through the arts, through theater and through music. So I just I knew I wanted more that although growing up in Honduras was amazing. There just wasn't much of, you know, I wanted right. to be involved in different things and I wanted and I'm a pretty independent person and I I wanted to be defined by something other than like, who are you dating or when are you getting married or, you know, those kind of things. Um, yeah, very, very, so real. And so I think I always, even though I enjoyed it so much and I really got the best out of that world of growing up in Honduras, I, and, and I have that pride in my culture. Like, you know, I see someone who I think could speak Spanish and you know, I'm a diamond into my Spanish. Like there's just, I crave it. I'm hungry for it. I love going back, but at the same time, it, I did have itches in me that I wanted to scratch, that I had a feeling that I wasn't going to be able to really fulfill, at least at the time, in Honduras. So, oh my so that's goodness. Why yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I have two questions and I'm like, which one do I choose? Because, I mean, I can't imagine, especially as a woman, as a Honduran woman, I did not grow up in Honduras, but the whole San Pedro family is with me. We're all from San Pedro which is funny. But my one of the things that I'm thinking about is in your story is about you leaving and how hard that must be in a really big family where everyone, como tú dices, son metiches, right? Or they're, they just care too much sometimes. Like, okay, <laughs> calmados. How was it like for you to leave that that family and, and choose yourself in that moment, which I feel like a lot of Latinas maybe struggle with to choose themselves in moments where it's big family, a lot of opinions, a lot of different, like, yeah. you know, opinions, opiniones de, de la gente. So how did you choose yourself claro. in that moment? Claro, it's not. I wish I could say, you know, if you would have asked me when I did it, I would have been like, whatever, this is my life and this is what I'm have to do for myself. And I was always a very spirited person. But at the same time, I think even subconsciously, it really ate at me. A, choosing myself, but also B, having a little bit of that gnawing 
feeling of like, oh, if I just wanted to do something else, like my life would be easier. I could just stay here and do everything that's expected of me in a different way. But I was really lucky because I had two parents who <clears throat> even for the Honduran standards or Venezuelan standards with my mom, they were very artistically supportive of me. And I think they really wanted me to pers- like they were like, you do your thing, girl. I mean, they were so supportive of me doing theater. I mean, como te digo, for Honduran standards, I really did do a lot of like the arts and theater. And I toured around the country, just things that are unheard of for like certain people, because people are like, why are you doing that in Honduras? So I think when I left, I came to the U.S. for school and I also came to the U.S. And I, you know, in college, I created this group of friends that were all Latina, not Honduran, but they were like Guatemalan and de Panama y de España, y de, you know, from everywhere, the Peru. So I still had that like cushion, right? And that safety. And we were all very similar Latinas, like Latinas that we loved our home, we loved being Latina, but we also, all of us wanted more in different ways. Like we weren't all actresses. It was marketing and being a lawyer and like all these things, but we were all really feisty and really out there. So that was like my my home, my family for a while. I lived in Boston and went to school with them. And then I made the move to L.A. And that's when I think like, <laughs> like my whole world went upside down because all these choices that had been so fun and independent and like, bye, I'm not, you know, I'm on my own. All of a sudden was real. Like I didn't have the cushion of like my my besties anymore. I didn't have the cushion of being in school and going back home every vacation it was like the real world and it really was one of those things where I wish I could go back to myself and be like it's gonna be okay like it's a journey and you just gotta enjoy where you're at but I think I just put so much pressure on myself because I think when you're swimming against the current of what your family or your culture expects you're like okay I need to be successful and I need to be successful you know and I need to do it and I just put so much of my validation and my worth on proving every proving myself to people and you know it's a journey right like I still feel like in certain aspects I still do that but just knowing now I really feel like it's a deeper knowing of like what makes me happy is my own piece and whatever makes me happy from moment to moment you know and that's what I I I really wish I could go back in Hungary and be like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be a roller coaster, but just enjoy the roller coaster. It'll be so much easier if you let go. But I think for me, that's how it manifested. Like, the pressures of, like, what are you doing was like, okay, well, now I'm going to show you guys that I'm going to be really successful and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to shut you guys up. And I think it's just, like, pressure that's unnecessary. But, girl, the pressure is real. (laughs) Yeah. The pressure is so, especially. If I make it, if I become a star, I'm them all up and it's like no girl that's what it's about yeah yeah it's learning how to do it for you right like I think that's that's where the pressure is it's like you want to prove whether it's good or bad like you want to prove them wrong or you want to make your family sacrifice worth it and you're just thinking of all the things but when you start to focus in on you and like what I love about your story is you keep saying like it was a gnawing feeling like I just knew and I kept following it like that's so powerful you were doing it for you and like, look what it manifested into. That's so beautiful. Yeah. One thing that I never understood, sometimes I hear the feedback of like, well, it's because my parents or my parents did this or my family did that. And that's why I didn't do this. And I understand that to a degree that some people kind of live in that reality. But for me, it was like, why would I ever want to live a life that I'm going to look back and blame my parents for a choice? Like, that's oh unfair to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, in, and as far as my family, even the family members that didn't really 
that what I was doing made any sense. At the end of the day, if you're happy, because I also spent long periods of time where I wasn't really booking anything, I wasn't, you know, but as long as I'm happy, it doesn't matter. I think I, I, I've learned to live in the comfort of being un- uncomfortable and people asking a question that I don't know the answer to. Like, what are you up to? Or what's your next project? And just, I think what's kept me happy is also being my own, creating my own content. When I don't do that, I can go through a slump of moods because I'm just like, oh, I'm meant to create whatever aspect, wherever that is. But I, I never understood that of like, oh, it's I didn't do this because of that person. It's like, I feel like I'm a big believer in I channel like my parents story because I mean vinieron de San Pedro Choloma and they came over to the U.S. with my I mean my mom was pregnant with five other kids like she she came here as a single mother Hondureña like I right badass Latina wow she they're my inspiration my dad came on Latin de la Bestia I mean I heard these stories growing up, and if anything, it motivated me of, like, my parents did that. Vinieron con nada de recursos, dinero, and they knew they had a dream. They knew they wanted to build a better life for their family. They knew that there was more opportunity here. Same gnawing feeling. I feel like that's generational power. Like, that is the the immigration that happened in our families. That is our story. It's passed down to us. Like, it's this, like, un poder, un poder así por dentro that pushes us toward to move to LA, to move around the world, to create projects and create different things, right? Like I think it's I think it's generational power. A hundred percent. And we have so much right. to say. You know, Latinos in general and Hondurans for sure, we have so much like fire to express. So we talk so much. I'm like, they needed us on here on these TVs for a while. <laughs> I'm not like podemos hablar. Oh my God. We could talk your ear up. But like literally right where did that okay so i'm curious where did that fire to create come from like where did your love for the arts when was that born do you do you have like a time like a moment like when was that born for you well i always say it started when i was like four and i wanted to be a princess like i remember i would watch movies and i thought that that was a career because i was like oh you can sing and you marry a prince and you wear pretty dresses i want to be a princess and then it was like that's not a career choice uh, not really. That was like the next best thing, you know, and and my both my parents and just in general, my family, they're very artistic people. They're really like I always feel like my dad should have been on SNL or should have been a comedian. And again, like they were very into things like that and very supportive. But but they didn't pursue it because it's just not something you really pursue professionally. But I remember I would have these ideas I would of like a play that I wanted to write. I was, I think, five when I wrote my first play. And I told my mom, listen, I have this play and my next door neighbors, you know, my two next door neighbors, the two little girls that are my next door neighbors are going to be my actresses in it and I'm going to direct. And she was like, okay, great. I'm going to be your prop master. And she made my props. So I have to say I'm really, really lucky that I had that because I really don't think I ever, from my mother, heard ever like a, I don't think you should be doing this. From my dad, I think I heard it a little bit of the fear came in again when I moved to Los Angeles and it became like real. It was like, oh, but but still, I, I was really lucky to have these two parents that really just. Sorry, I don't, oh, sorry, I thought I thought supported my my love, my love for the for the arts. And I think 
both of them told me different ways that we kind of did it because we were living vicariously through you because it's something we would have loved to be able to you know pursue oh yeah so it, it started oh my god that's they so tried. beautiful yeah 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 I, I i don't give them enough credit i think as as they deserve because they really they really did support me a lot you know yeah, oh. yeah. so i guess that was oh my goodness and then from then on you know theater wherever i could get my hands on because i think I think there's, I was just listening to this this morning, like there is literally research on the power of letting your kids play and letting your kids just like have their imagination run wild and giving them room and space to do that. I I just can't imagine how beautiful it must have been for your mom to see you just like directing this play and her making your props and just seeing you create this world and live in this world. I think that's like, I'm just, I'm just picturing your mom just probably like smiling at you, like I la Gabriela, like she loves this. Oh, and she <laughs> took it so seriously, like you know, she was a prop master. She was like different, you know, sets right. and whatever. And it's funny because now I, I, I watch her watch Acapulco, and it gives me so much joy because it's, you know, what we said about like the character you said, like she's such a spitfire and she's so awesome and, and she's just like everything but like without being gratuitous like i even find her i think she's sexy and vivacious but there's nothing overly sexual about her she's just this like really beautiful character and i love watching my mom watch it and she's enjoyed it so much but that same enjoyment that she's had watching acapulco she will have watching a sketch i shot to watching me be in a commercial like she'll just like it's the same excitement no matter what it is that I'm doing, obviously, oh my you know, God. so and and that I know I'm so lucky. And, you know, if I ever if I ever have kids, I would love to at the very least provide that like just full support, you know. Oh, my goodness. That is so beautiful. And I, I want to ask a question about your parents, because how did Honduras meet Venezuela? I'm curious about that love story. <laughs> crazy. That should be a telenovela because my my parents actually met when they were kids. My mom was, I don't know, I don't know, like 12 and my dad 13 or something. My mother's mom, older, older sister, sorry, not my mom's mom, that would be my grandma. My mom's older sister married my dad's older brother. Two siblings married two siblings. So, so that's oh. how they, my, my mom's sister, since she had married this Honduran guy, my uncle, they lived in Honduras and my mom was living in Venezuela at the time. And so my grandpa, because he felt bad that, you know, his one of his daughters, one of his babies had moved to Honduras, this foreign land with no family. He would send every vacation, he would send like, there's seven siblings. On my mom's side, there's seven siblings. On my dad's side, there's six. So it's a big family. And I love it. I'm, I'm the youngest of seven. Yeah, so it's that amazing. made my heart I'm happy. I'm so jealous. I'm one of two and I wish I had five more siblings. But I, my cats are <laughs> my siblings too. But so she, she, my mom would go, her and her sisters would take turns vid- visiting with their older sister in Honduras. And so my my parents kind of grew up together, like throughout vacations, they would see each other. And then one wedding in Venezuela, my dad was in Venezuela visiting um, and they there was a spark and the rest is history, you know. So I have cousins uh, that live in Miami that I have six cousins who are basically my siblings because we're cousins on both sides. So I really have like a cool, wow, crazy family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a cool family. Yeah. Like, you're really family. <laughs> Very. Yeah. They kept it in the same families. We kept it. We're extremely, I promise it's not incest, but it's definitely, like, really close. Like, really close no. 
it's it's uh yeah oh my goodness how did you own both of your sides because you were saying you you would say to people all the time like so Hondureña because you grew up in Honduras how did you start to own really both sides or was it always a part of you like I was you know what I mean like were you always Venezuelan Honduran or when did you start to own this mestizaje of like both that's funny because it wasn't always there my Venezuelan side because I, I had never really grown up in Venezuela I had gone very few times which is one thing that I do feel like my dad could have pushed more of is us going to our other side of the family but I think I became a teenager. I was about 14 and I went on on a vacation to Venezuela and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the accent. I fell in love with my aunts. There are six women and a, and a boy. So six aunts and an uncle total or five aunts and an uncle. My wow. mom. And so I was just like enamored with their, they were just, Venezuelans are very forward thinkers. The women are a lot more like feminists and, and, and feminists in the sense of like very independent. They're extremely beautiful and fashionable. I mean, so are Hondurans, but Venezuela is a little ahead of a lot of, of the other Latin American countries in regards oh, yeah. to like, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So I went when I was 14 and I was, I had gone when I was a kid and I had also like, they would make fun of me, my, my family when I come back, cause I'd just come back with like a different step in my you know tune in my step but um I went when I was 14 and it really hit me like I was just like I really feel very connected to my family to my mom's sisters and I wanted to own it more and then when I graduated high school and went to went to college I I I felt very Honduran but the more time passed you know when my I was living also in Miami my mom and my dad separated my mom moved to Miami and all my family in Miami is the mix, Venezuelan and Honduran. And, you know, the situation in Venezuela is horrible. Like so many people have had to leave, including my family. And so I got to Venezuela, and I just fell in love with them and their culture. And, you know, I've always loved them, but I just it, it, it made me feel it started making me feel yucky to say I was only Honduran. Because I felt, you know what, I'm 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 50-50. And if it had been for my mom, we would have grown up in, in Venezuela. So it really was a circumstantial thing. So as Honduran as I feel, I really today I feel just as Venezuelan, you know. Look at you. What what's your what's your uh trademarked name? It's not Oh Miss Clarita. Yeah, it? Miss Clarita. Miss Clarita. Miss Clarita. <laughs> it's gonna be the title of this episode. How did your how did your roots inspire Isabel in Acapulco because what how you described her is literally what I think like she she reminds me of my sister-in-law this Honduran woman who is very like something about like very Aries energy that's the only thing I can really say like these like you know if you're talking about astrology like Aries very intimidating but like not intimidating very strong but not in your face strong very like sabe lo que quiere like it's just there's so much about Isabel. I was like, man, I want a little piece of that. <laughs> like just her energy, her like vibe, all of it. Yeah, no, truly. I love how you describe her because it's so true. Don't we all want to be like Isabel? Like, I just feel like she was so well written. She was so, so well written. Like the woman who wrote, I mean, obviously there are meant the creators or guys and, and the showrunner, Chris Harris, who's the most amazing showrunner in the world and human being in the world is a guy. But the characters that, that thing written and I know you know what a, a lot of the writers in the writers room are female so like Ilse and Maggie and Mara created this character really because they were like we want a Latina that like looks like 
is like us. You know, we want to see how we're so tired of seeing this like damsel in distress kind of girl. And so I think that was the birth of Isabel. And Isabel, I always say there's so many aspects of her that I feel are me. <laughs> but um, she's also the girl that I want to be. Like, it literally is like, I live my life. Like, what would Isabel do, you know? And I think it's just, the, I, I feel like when I was, you know, when I was on set, people are like, well, well, what's kind of like your jam of getting into character? And for me, it was like so easy because Isabel is, I think just her character just flows. She just kind of lives life. You know, she shows up and she is present in the moment. And she's so unbelievably honest. And so I feel like for me, it was so easy because I would just flow on set and just kind of do my thing and not think about it so much because she's such a girl that comes from her heart. And I think for women, we are emotional beings. Like we come from our heart and our heart is much more wise than our freaking brains. But we've been lied to and told to be more masculine, to be more sexual and smart. And Isabel no se cree esa paja. O sea, she doesn't, she doesn't swallow that lie. She's like, no, yes. I, I go through my heart. I, I go, I follow my heart. I do my impulses. I know what I want and I go for it. But one of the things that I loved about Isabel and I really was adamant about it was she's in a love triangle that she doesn't know she's a part of, right? But I also wanted it to be very clear. And I like spoke a couple of times I had some scenes that I was like, I don't feel like Isabel would do this. Like, I feel like she's smarter than this. But I had to like go with that too because I think Isabel is just, one of those people who like, it just she shows up so authentically. So she assumes everybody's showing up authentically for her. And obviously in some episodes, it just wasn't the case. But one of the things that I like about her is that she knows what she wants and she goes and she gets it. But she wants what wants her. And the moment she realizes that she's not as wanted, she's like, okay, bye. <laughs> I want what wants me, but this is a privilege. So adios. Oh, and I yes. feel like I, I, I feel like this is why I booked her because especially in the last few years, like I've just embodied that energy of like, Wah wants what wants you and what doesn't want you, don't give them that energy. And so I think I just connected to her on so many levels that even the things that weren't similar to her, I connected to. I'm a Pisces, Pisces Libra rising, but my North Node is my Aries side. So when I'm much more like and I can tend to be a little Ooh, bit... Oh, yeah. You were channeling that. Oh, I was channeling that. <laughs> when I lean into my airy spiciness is when I'm I'm better. I'm like more assertive. I'm more... And I, especially recently, like I'll go through stages where I'm very Pisces, very ultra sensitive, just too much in my... Like not too much of my feelings. Obviously, I love... But it's important to have heart and then to have the strength to just like not be embarrassed of being guided by your heart. And I think that's what Isabel is. Like I just love... I was just going to say, like, that's exactly how I pictured her. And that's why I got excited when I was like, okay, the woman who portrays her is Honduran because it was just, it was nice. And like, shout out to the writers because it really was the first time I saw, I think, just a Latina that was just, it, it was a perfect three-dimensional character yeah. that we don't get to see on screen very often. We see the one-dimensional Latina all the like time. Like the sex And Acapulco was the first time I saw like oh my god yes or like the damsel and i was just like like one of the things like you know how isabel steals like out of out of like because she's like through the system i literally the way i live my life i don't follow a rule if it doesn't make sense to me period and i know that's maybe blocked me or not giving me some opportunities or whatever but i literally i physically and it's impossible for me to follow a rule if it doesn't make sense like 
that's why I've gotten into trouble in my life and I don't care. So for me, it's like, why am I not seeing more women like this? There's so many Latinas that are like, screw the rules. I'm going to do what I want. So when I saw that, I just like, I, I couldn't, I, I know I talk about the writers all the time, but it's really because they're that good. It's just like, or really their goodness lies in like observing and writing what is true in the world. Like I wanted to see more girls on screen, like all my best friends that are Latina, Guatemala, Panama, Peru. They're these really feisty girls who are the same as me will not follow a rule if it doesn't make sense. Like they just, or they are like, uh, same this, plus yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, there's so right. many. Right. So many. Well, that's why I'm like that. That was the first time I saw a character that I'm like, oh, she's me. Like literally, like there was one part and this is where I'm like, I want a piece of just her energy. When the breakup scene happened, I was so like, that was the first time on screen where I didn't see, I I hate to say it, but like the Latina dramatics, because I mean, we're dramatic. It's part of who we are. But I didn't see the Latina dramatics of like, Imbecile, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's the natural inclination for like, <laughs> right? The slap. But it was the first time I saw this very mature, very what you just said, like this, if they doesn't want you, don't, don't give it energy. Like, that was exactly what you saw on screen. And I'm like, I need all of that energy because I do be pulling the dramatics sometimes, but I need all of her energy because it came from a place of, I know what I deserve, and this is just and not it. So I love you. Bye. <laughs> I love that you get that message. People ask me all the time, oh, did you feel so sad about like the breakup? And I'm like, honestly, I feel like it was like the best scene ever. It was so well written. And it just showed who Isabel was as a person, like as a character. And it's just like literally it was one of my favorite scenes to read, to memorize, to shoot, to be di- directed in. Because it's just like, know that you deserve more know like want what wants you and that's the end of the story and you're never going to attract something that doesn't align to you and she and that's how I try to live my life like if I'm like if someone's treating me poorly why am I allowing this behavior and Isabel has helped me see that you know you know this is how I've always tried to live my life but I think in the last few years even more so and that's why I literally feel like I attracted Isabel to my life because I was just like this girl is living the way I want to live you know yeah. And it was very, I mean, it was just a non-negotiable. I think that's what I love the most. Like it wasn't up for discussion, conversation. It was like, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and it was, but it was beautiful. It was a very beautiful, oh, just so seeing a Latina choose herself. And I just hope that inspires every, Lat- I know it inspired me, but inspired every Latina to just be able to know what they want, honor their needs, honor what they deserve. And it's not up for negotiation, discussion, like it's up for nothing. Like it's a decision. And it's not always easy. That's what I liked too. It's she's not made a stone, but she's just like this. I love you, but I love me more. So I love that. Yeah. And you saw that evolution though. You saw the evolution of her like, it's a nomic iron. Like it's some, you know, like like you saw the evolution of her in her emotions and it's just I can't say it enough for the folks that are listening the show is incredible but you keep you were saying that you attracted Isabel like talk to me about this LA move and this journey of finally getting to these points where you get these dynamic beautiful characters what's the what's the LA love story with acting oh I love that question well I just didn't have much of a good relationship talk about like 
not putting your energy where it's not where you're not being reciprocated. I was living in LA. I had been living living here for years. I had been booking jobs and I had spent uh, like a chunk of years where I would like get really close to a role and then lose it. Or the, and and I even though these thing these opportunities were really exciting, they kind of started like eating at me. And I think they were eating at me because I was putting so much value on on booking a job, on success the way I was forcing it to be. And I wasn't very happy. And I spent a few years like that. My health wasn't that great because I think it was also just reflecting on how I wasn't choosing myself. And I I just became really drained. I would just had all these almost opportunities to the point where it was like cruel. You know, I was like, all the all the producers' favorites, the studio. And then the studio last minute was like, no, she's not your girl. And so I became just it I wasn't really loving myself very much. And I was entering a relationship with a fellow Honduran at the time. And he was there. I was Mio. Are you okay? (laughs) No, I know, girl. We all have our we all have our slips. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm kidding. Um (laughs) JK Honduran men are wonderful. Just a few rotten apples. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. But no, I entered this relationship with him, which ended, ended up being the most amazing relationship in the sense that it taught me so much about myself. And it taught me to truly, from my core, put myself first because I wasn't doing that. And I think my relationship with him was a reflection of that in the sense that it, I went from one really toxic relationship with my career and I jumped into another one because he wanted more of my time. And he caught me in a space in my life where I was like, yeah, I'm really not getting what I'm putting into this. Let me focus on this other project, was, which was my relationship at the time. There was the eventual demise of that relationship. And right before the pandemic, I decided to take an acting break. He had influenced that decision, but I also was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to take an acting break. I don't know what I'm going to do. My whole world is falling apart, but I'm going to take this decision. I take the decision. I make a decision. And two weeks later, the pandemic hits and the whole world is shut down. And I was like, I was freaking out about this decision that I'm not auditioning anymore. And two weeks later, the whole world is shut down. And it just kind of opened my mind. I very Isabel style. I went to Bali and I did a spiritual retreat in Bali, which changed my life. I don't even know how it changed me, but it changed me. Yeah, we went to see a bunch of healers. I was really on a journey of like, this isn't fulfilling me. And I told myself my whole life that that this was the most fulfilling aspect of myself is that I act and that I entertain. And I'm miserable. So something's going up. I don't know what it is, but I need to find, I need to find, I need to find it and fix it. That was like my thought process, which really is the most ridiculous thought process. Let me just fix myself. (laughs) When I really found that I really just didn't know myself. And so, you know, the pandemic hit about six months into the pandemic, Kim and I break up and I, I had already been really itching to leave LA. I was like, there's just, there's just a part of me that doesn't want to be here anymore. I'm really close to my family and none of my family lives in LA. So I want to be close to them. And now is the perfect time because nothing is happening. You know, I got laid off, all these things. And so I moved to Miami and just kept this journey, like committed full force, one head first into getting to know myself, why was I manifesting? Like, why was I entering these relationships? What frequency was I on that I was attracting men that I didn't have the healthiest relationships with? Why? Because, you know, it's funny. One one night I was 
crying to a friend of mine and I was just like, oh, my God. And, you know, he's he never said I was beautiful. And she was like, do you say you're beautiful? Like, do you tell yourself you're beautiful? Because a lot of the times, like the the guys we enter relationships with are, are reflections of ourselves, of the relationship we have with ourselves. So if you're with a guy that's not treating you right, do you treat you right? You know, because if you do, there's no way you're going to attract a guy like that. And if you attract them, you'll get tired of them pretty quick. So. I just was really like one of these awakenings that I think happened a lot during the pandemic. The pandemic was one of 2020 was one of the best years of my life that, you know, my heart goes out to so much suffering that was going on, but so much growth. I had so much growth that year. And then subsequently in 2021. And one of the realizations that I found that year was I'm so unbelievably happy. I don't need to act another day in my life to be happy. Like I that's not where I extract my value from. And then I was surrounded my fam- with my family, which was amazing, and I loved them. But I also realized I don't need to extract my value or my happiness from you guys either. Like, literally, I it's really... That's all me. It's all, That's all me. It's all me. And, and so <laughs> I spent 2020 healing 2021 doing the same, but also just in a place of joy and travel and getting to know myself and, you know, just, just really growing spiritually. I'm a really... I try to, you know, I... I, I, I Whenever I have an issue in my life or I'm really not going through the best for for the best, you know, when I'm going through a gnarly experience, for me, it's the best thing ever or a painful experience because pain always brings me back to spirituality and spirituality is always going to help me grow. So you either can look at a painful experience or a rough time as a time to feel sorry for yourself or a time to be like, yay, I can grow. You know, this is a great growth spurt that I'm going to go through. And so I really still to this day try to see it that way, you know. And so, you know, 2022 was coming close and I knew L.A. was calling me back, but I just was like, I want to go back to L.A., but I don't want to. I'm not the same person. So I don't want to come back to acting in the same way. That same really the relationship and like to be more specific of how unhealthy it was. It was like I put it like that. My career was above everything auditions were above everything. I would drop anything and everything for an audition that sometimes I didn't even want to do. I would take every no so personally. You know, I just was like, it wasn't, again, it wasn't the healthiest. It was like being with a very toxic boyfriend. And so I said, if I'm coming back, I'm putting myself first. I'm, you know, I'm putting my day-to-day, day-to-day joy first. So I, I got a job at this company called We're Not Really Strangers, which is an amazing company that has a message that I love. They're like really the big card game? Yeah, the card game. Yeah, we. Card oh my game. god, it's yeah. my favorite card game. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Very seven <laughs> too. Very self growth, self love, and so I was just really happy. So when when the audition for seven came along, I almost didn't even do it because I was like, I'm having so much fun. I just moved to LA and it's for audition. But then I read her. I read the scene, and I was like, holy shit, this girl's amazing. <laughs> like I love, I love the scene. The, the scene in the audition is the scene where she meets Maximo and she tells them the reason why I steal from the hotel is, you know, fill in the blank. And so I just was like, wow, this girl's amazing. And I show my, you know, my my one of my best friends and she was like, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan of the show. Let's watch it. And I fell in love and I sent the tape. And funnily enough, the tape, the casting director of the show is the first casting director that ever put me in front of a network. Like she was just been my cheerleader for years and years and years and years and had tried to cast me in shows and it had never panned out. 
And so she was part of the reason why I sent it because I was like, it's for Susan. Her name's Susan Bash. It's for Susan. I'm sending it to Susan. <laughs> um, and everything subsequently just flowed. And it was great. I had a great producer session after that. I sent a tape and then I met with producers and that was so fun. And then I did a chemistry read with Enrique, who plays Maximo, and that was amazing. I was like, oh my God, I, I wish I could work with this guy. He's so funny. And I was such a fan of his when I watched the show. And then I actually received a no. Initially, they had told me I hadn't gotten the part. And it was such, oh, yeah, I know. They told me, listen, they love you, but they're a little concerned that you're not Mexican. And they don't know how that's going to bode, you know, with the audiences, which you totally understand. I'm a huge fan of Mexican, like Televisa, hello, Televisa, and I grew up with all those soap operas. So I get being like, you know, having ownership. But at the same time, I was like, if I wait for Venezuelan Honduran part to roll around, I'm going to keep like, I'll wait till oh, forever. Oh my goodness. I was just thinking. Yeah, like, I mean, I got it, but come on, you guys. So um, we're all sisters here. So they had initially... Um, right. <laughs> and I took the news in a way that I had never taken a no before, you know? And I just was like, this sucks because I really love the show and I really want to work with a guy like Enrique. He looks like so fun to work with, but this isn't my worth anymore. You know, it's just not here. And it was so beautiful because my former roommate happened to be staying with me that night. And the next morning I'm like working out and dancing. And she's like, dude, you are a different person. Like you normally would be in a puddle for like a week, you know, or a month. And I went to work and I was happy. I talked, I had a long conversation with my manager who I've had for years, who I love. And he was like, you've come back different. You've grown up. Now you understand what it is. You choose yourself first. I mean, I was even, I had a, a trip planned for my birthday to go to the Bahamas. And I, I, the, the chemistry read was around that time. So they were like, oh, and I was like, no, I'm going on a trip. I'm sorry. I'm not canceling anything. I put myself first. Like I literally rolled the dice right. on it. <laughs> And I really what? wanted it, but oh. I, but even with a job like Acapulco that I love and I wanted so much, I realized I want it, but I don't need it. And there's a very, very big difference. And sometimes I forget, like even to this day, I'll like find myself needing things like, but I need this other job or what's next. And I'm like, no, you want it, but you don't really need it. And that's a really, I think, powerful place to part from, you know? And so when I heard the no, I understood and I let it go. And then the next day they called me and they were like, this is, you know, my manager was like, I swear to God, I wasn't a prank. We thought, we thought that you didn't get, you know, they told me you didn't get it, but apparently Apple stepped in and was like, no, yeah, Gabby's your girl. Gabby's your Isabel. And yeah. And it was, so I had like, it was like a roller coaster of emotions. It was like, no, the yes, you're leaving in 48 hours and you're going to live in Mexico for three months. But it was, I really think it was the universe going. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I finally got the lesson. Right. I, it was definitely the universe saying, like, let's see how she handles this. No, like, a ver, a ver como esta. <laughs> it was, that's so, uh, well, I just have to say on behalf of every Honduran Latina woman that is watching you on screen, that it was such a special moment. Yes, you were playing a Mexican character, and I never even thought anything else but that. But when I literally saw your profile and saw more about you, seeing that you were Hondureña, like, I can tear up right now. Like, the whole reason I created this platform is because I wanted to represent Latinidad for what it really looked like. Because there's not enough, I'm going to get emotional. There's literally not enough spaces where you see Latinidad, not just, not just the predominant ones, right? But 
What about Panama, Costa Rica, Honduras, like Guatemala? Like we don't see enough of us on screen. So you being up there is so, so special. So thank you, Apple TV, Acapulco team. Like, thank you, everyone, for putting Gabriela in there. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot. And I, it it means a lot for me to see myself on screen. Oh, my God. (laughs) And what's what's a beautiful love story of like toxic at the beginning, but what a beautiful coming to self moment for you of trying out this dream that kept gnawing at you your whole life and chasing it and almost like realizing, oh, it wasn't about acting. It was about choosing me the entire time. Like what a beautiful love story. And that's so, so beautiful. It was. I think that's what I learned is like, it's really not about what you achieve. It's about the journey and the person you become along it. And I think I was just really resisting a lot of lessons. So the universe just kept hitting me harder. Like I could have learned a lot of the lessons that I learned with my ex like four boyfriends ago, but I was too stubborn and I didn't learn it four boyfriends ago. So they gave me like this big whammy of a toxic relationship so I could learn. And I think it's really all about lessons and, and the growth that we find in those. So, yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Well, I know we're coming up at time. I want to wrap this beautiful conversation up with a brindis. So I have my little <laughs> cafecito. It's not really coffee. It's a, it's a Starbucks <laughs> cup, but it has water in there. Love it. We're still up. But I want to close this conversation with a brindis. So I want to give you the space, Gabriela. What do you want to manifest for our Latino community? And will there be a season three? And is Isabella going to be there? <laughs> we'll see or is that part of the manifestation? Season three is confirmed. Season three is happening. That's for sure. Will Isabel have more to say? We'll see. For me, the most important thing, because people ask me all the time, like, would you go back? Of course, if if it serves the character and if it serves the story. Because I don't. sometimes that's the only thing I don't like is when characters come back just because they want to come back, just like for the sake of coming back. But I really, I'm such a fan of the story and the writers that if she comes back, I, I want it to cut like I want her to like still be Isabel, you know, and still have that strength. And again, what I I would I want that to happen a hundred and ten percent. Do I need it to happen? No. Like that I'll let go of. Um very Isabel style. But I I, I hope I hope everybody <laughs> keeps watching Isabel because I it's a joy for me to see a character like that on screen. So I hope I keep sharing her warmth and her joy. And my intention, I guess, for the Latino community is let's like wear that heart with pride because we have such beautiful hearts and that's so much to be proud of, our warmth and our heart. And so just to continue like flying our beautiful flag of love that we have, it comes so naturally to us and and showing those colors that we love to show. But really, it's the colors. When I say colors, I mean that heart that heart that we all have so i hope to continue seeing us portrayed that way oh my god and thank you so salud, much for having me. salud salud thank you so thank much thank you for being here salud 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 gracias salud. oh i have to drink before it's bad luck <laughs> because i have to say like content creators like you are really like what keeps this wheel turning you know it's so exciting to see women like you that are like have the beauty, the brains, and the guts to go out there and just, like, entertain, you know? We are out here. We need to be out here for all the other Latinos and Latinas that are growing up and wanting to see more of our content. Exactly, exactly. And I always tell people, tell your story, 
put it out there and like I think like Isabel does and like you do now that I'm meeting you I'm like oh my god this is all Isabel it's really about your heart and leading with your heart and one last thing about the show that I really loved was this portrayal of her and and Oh my god, I'm saying Enrique, but I think that's Maximo, the actual. Yeah. Is that the character's name? <laughs> that's or? Maximo. I was like, <laughs> but Maximo, he had big dreams. Like he wanted to own houses and businesses, and he had really, really big, big dreams. And not that Isabel didn't have big dreams, but her big dreams looked different and manifested itself different. Where it was centered in family and roots and where she was already. And I loved that portrayal of like dreams look and feel differently and sometimes they don't align and that's okay and sometimes it's okay to say you want all the big businesses yo solo quiero mi casita acá with my family and I, I soy feliz you know what I mean like it was such a beautiful portrayal of just Latino dreams and what we all as a community want yeah and how all <laughs> dreams are valid it just is about what you want all of them so, that was such a beautiful way of putting it thank you for putting it Yes, ma'am. I was looking at that moment like, oh, yes, I'm definitely more of a Maximo, but I love the Isabel energy. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gabriela, well, for being here. Yeah, of course. Oh, of sorry. Course. Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. One of the things that I love to say about Isabel is that, like, you need to love your roots in order to fly. So that's one of the things that I, so in order to have success, you got to love where you're coming from. So. Oh my God. Well, my dad siempre dice, si no sabes de dónde vienes, nunca sabrás a dónde vas. Like, exactly. that is something that I keep, uh, I like want to tattoo it on my body because it's so real. Like, you have to know your roots. You have to know where you come from. But yeah, you can also dream as big as you want and go yeah. chase it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank oh. you. Thank you for Big having hugs. me. Gracias. Thank you for being here. Muchísimas gracias. All I gotta say is gracias to the crew for Gabriela's role as Isabel in Acapulco. Y'all, please, if you haven't already, go to Apple TV Plus and enjoy this beautiful, funny, just culturally relevant bilingual show. I, I swear to you, it will not disappoint and you're gonna just binge it just like I did. I'll see you all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram at ojasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. I post everything on LinkedIn, so that's the place to be as well. For more information, check out my website, odalisjasmine.com y con mucho amor, tu amiga hondureña.